around his neck and gave him a kiss. Now, why don't you take care of the potatoes while I set the table? She jammed a potato masher into his hand and then hurried off to the dining room. As much as anything else, Bruce was really enjoying all the home-cooked meals Anne prepared for him. On top of everything else, she was an amazing cook, and she really enjoyed it. Bruce wasn't sure what he had done right in his life to deserve having her in it, but he wasn't going to question such good fortune. How are things going at the Federal Center? He asked between bites of baked chicken. When he first reconnected with Anne, she was working as a cashier at the local Walmart, but she had a degree in computer science that had eventually landed her a position with the large government facility in town. It's going great, she said enthusiastically. I'm still doing data entry and can't say that's my dream job, but it beats standing behind a cash register all day. The people I work with are great, and my supervisor has already told me that I'm too talented for an entry-level position. As soon as something opens, she plans to move me up. Maybe before long you'll be a supervisor yourself. That's the plan, she said with his favorite smile as she gazed into his blue eyes. How's your work going? she asked. You just finished that divorce case, right? All done, he confirmed. For the most part, the cases here haven't been exactly exciting, but right now that's exactly what I prefer. Bruce's return to Battle Creek had been instigated by him coming back to solve the murder of his high school sweetheart, Lauren Sims. During that case, Lauren's husband and Bruce's best friend from high school, Danny, had also been killed. Bruce very nearly lost Anne and her brother Bobby as well, so for now he was quite content with divorce cases and insurance jobs. Do you have a new one lined up yet? Not yet, he said, but something will come along. It always does. As if on cue, his phone rang at that very moment. Well, that's a little spooky, said Anne as Bruce took the call. Is this Bruce Hutchinson, the private detective? asked a woman's voice. She sounded distant and sad. My name is Phyllis Martin. How can I help you, Mrs. Martin? Mr. Hutchinson, you don't know me, but I believe you may remember my son Michael. He was Michael to me, anyway. Most everyone else called him Mike. Bruce did indeed remember Mike Martin. They had gone to junior high and high school together. Mike had always been much smarter than Bruce and everybody else at Battle Creek Central. Mike was a quiet kid who mostly kept to himself, but he was always friendly to Bruce, and Bruce tried to be friendly back. That was made difficult by the fact that Bruce never really had much of an idea of what Mike was talking about. Bruce remembered one time seeing Mike sitting alone in the cafeteria in eighth grade reading a book. Bruce expected it to be one of the Harry Potter books or something along those lines. What Mike was actually reading was a textbook for a college chemistry class. How could Bruce relate to something like that? Bruce also remembered the night that Mike Martin disappeared. It was senior year, just over a month before graduation. Bruce, Danny, and Bobby had crashed a jock party out at Beetle Lake in Harper Creek and were surprised to see Mike there. Apparently, they weren't the only ones. Jim Fletcher, quarterback and captain of the football team, was giving Mike a hard time from the moment Bruce and the guys arrived on the beach. That wasn't anything new for Jim, though. He was your typical testosterone-infused jock. Anyone who was quiet or smarter than him was fair game for Jim's taunts and bullying. Jim tried to pull that crap with Bruce just once freshman year. Even though Jim was much bigger and stronger at the time, Bruce refused to back down. No punches were thrown, but Danny and Bobby had to pull Bruce away from Jim. Bruce could still see Jim standing there and laughing while Danny and Bobby hauled Bruce off. There was never another incident after that as both boys did their best to give the other a wide berth. Over the next four years, Bruce had watched as Jim tormented other students, though, including Mike Martin. He always felt like he should do more to try and stop it, and that night at the party, he finally decided that was exactly what he was going to do. Leave him alone, Fletcher, 
Bruce remembered shouting as he grabbed the big-shot football star from behind and spun him away from Mike. By then, Bruce had grown considerably and was just about the same size as Jim. Stay out of this, Hutchinson, Jim sneered as he glared back at Bruce. Bruce remembered the scene had the feel of the climax from one of those old-time western movies, where the good guy in the white hat and the villain dressed in black met in the middle of Main Street for the inevitable showdown. I'm sick and tired of watching you bully him, Bruce had declared. He stood his ground as party revelers began to circle. This is none of your business, Jim had said in a low, threatening voice. Bruce recalled having no doubt as to what was about to happen. Given the number of people watching, there was no way a guy like Jim Fletcher could back down now. Unless you want to march in the graduation procession on crutches, you need to back off. Not this time, Jim, said Bruce. Danny and Bobby were trying their best to get him to do the same thing. Something like this could get him booted out of the Navy before he even made it to basic training, they argued, but Bruce was going to stand his ground.